It's Monday, July 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool, Germany. God, I've been waiting so long to say this. From Motley Fool, Germany, Matt Kopenheffer. Guten Tag, Chris. Guten Tag. We will get to Motley Fool, Germany in a moment. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Uh, but there are some earnings to discuss. Uh, let's start with BB&T, which does not stand for best bank in town. As, no, not today. As, 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 yeah, certainly not today. Uh, branch Banking and Trust. Uh, this is, for those who are unfamiliar, maybe it's this might be just one of the those geograph- geographical oddities, um, but I just think, well, BB&T, they're everywhere. Well, they're everywhere if you live in the Washington, D.C. Right. area or if you live in the southeastern United States. But it is one of the largest lenders in the southeast part of the country. Uh, but their earnings, second quarter profit, down from a year ago. You study banks for a living. What's going on? It's it's actually, it's it's one of the biggest banks in the, in the country. But like you said, it's very regional. So those folks in, in California may not be as familiar. I, I think you have a couple things going on here. One of them is simply the fact that You've got this div- uh, divergence in the the banking sector, where there are some banks where investors are essentially expecting that the worst is going to per- uh, perpetually be happening. So, think about a, a Citigroup or a Bank of America in that way. I, nobody's really expecting good things out of them. So, when mediocre comes about, they're pretty excited. With BB and T, there has been better investor sentiment around this bank. And, and when you look at the multiples that it's trading at, we tend to think of uh, bank trading multiples uh, rather than a price-to-earnings ratio basis, a price-to-book basis. Uh, BB&T, even after today's drop, still trading above two times tangible book value. Really? Yeah, which is relatively expensive compared to uh, Citigroup, which is down closer to one. Um, so the results today were relatively mediocre, did not meet expectations. So you've got investors pouting about that. And so that that's the way that works. High expectations, mediocre results, you get this sort of outcome. The bigger thing, I think, though, that's interesting here, and this is not just a BB&T issue. This is a smaller, not tiny, but smaller because BB&T is smaller than Bank of America and Citigroup bank issue. It's still about a $26, 27000000000 billion bank, it's, though. It's a very large bank. Yeah. It is a very large bank. Uh, the... Uh, Department of Housing and Urban, Urban Development is investigating the lending practices at BB&T. So for investors in the bigger banks, this is has a very familiar ring to it. For the investors in the smaller banks, not as much. So all of the um, regulator time has been sucked up on in, uh, investigating the larger banks and going after the larger ba- banks, finding the larger banks, piling up the stacks of billions of dollars that they've taken from the larger banks. That the, they're finishing up with that now, so now there's more time to start look at look, looking at the next tier of banks and what were they doing in their lending practices during the financial crisis and before the financial crisis, um, and, and so I think that investors that thought they were going to dodge the bullet, uh, avoiding just the larger banks, are finding out that maybe that's not the case. I'm still stuck on the fact that. This is a stock, even with today's drop, and it's down maybe about four percent, four or five percent this morning. Still trading more than two times tangible book. How did I miss this rocket of a, <laughs> of a bank stock? I mean, what what was going on the last couple of years that it got to this multiple? It's less so what's happened over the the last couple of years. Although I'm, 
I, I didn't check the performance over the last couple of years, but I'm sure it's been fine. Uh, it, it's more that it didn't get crushed the way a lot of other bank stocks did. Uh, generally speaking, BB&T, I think, has had better lending practices from a we, we don't lose tons of money, uh, we don't nearly go bankrupt kind of way. Um, so that's allowed. <laughs> There's a motto <laughs> to stick on your bumper stickers. Hey, we didn't almost go bankrupt. Yeah, so that's, uh, I think that has a lot to do with the, with the higher multiple at BB&T. Later this week, you and David Hansen uh, and a couple uh, other colleagues, Brian, Brian White mm-hmm. uh, from the Fool One team and Rex Moore, uh, are heading south to visit Markel. Um, what are you going to be doing there? I'm assuming you're going to be sitting down with Tom Gaynor, the uh, much-celebrated chief investment officer. Uh, what are you going to be talking about? We will be, we'll be having lunch with Tom Gaynor and then, then doing a, a formal interview with him. And I'm hoping to get a, a photo op with him for my Facebook page as well. Um, <laughs> I, I think that will be a very a niche audience that will, that will uh, enjoy that photo. Everybody else will just say, who's, yeah. who's that random guy? That Please tell me you're going to be doing something more valuable than just getting a selfie with it's, Tom it's, Gaynor. It's mainly just the selfie. Oh. That's, it's mainly just <laughs> – no, no, no. We're, Tom Gaynor is the, the sort of – call him the investing mastermind behind Markel. And and I don't want to suggest that he's the only brilliant mind over at Markel. Markel is a specialty insurer. They are a very sharp insurer, uh, tend to underwrite very well. Um, But Tom Gaynor has been investing the Markel um, portfolio for over a decade now and has been kind of following a Berkshire Hathaway model in that insurers have to have most of their portfolio in bonds to keep it safe, to be able to pay out the claims that they need to pay out. But then he takes part of that, invested in stocks and equities, um, and has had some uh, pretty pretty impressive performance doing that. Um, and then at the same time has created a, a sidecar called Markel Ventures, where they're actually buying uh, entire companies. Um, that's still a very small part of the business, but very kind of along the lines of Berkshire Hathaway. This is a company that uh, I know you've studied closely is there one part of the business in particular that you're curious about? I know you're going to be covering a lot of topics with Tom, but is there anything that you look at either that you see as an opportunity for Markel or, you know, not to get in his face, that you, you maybe question, <laughs> question some decision that has been made, whether it's from Markel, uh, from Gainer or from the CEO? Well, from, a, from, from an interest uh, perspective, I, I really dig the insurance business. You're not going to hear too many people say that, but I'm interested in, in what opportunities, because as a niche insurer what, uh, or specialty insurer, what Markel does is they're insuring things like summer camps, um, antique, high-value antique cars, the kind of cars that Jay Leno collects. Um, and, and so that allows them to, be, to, to get leadership positions in those markets pretty easily, but it, they're also smaller markets. So I'd be curious to know where the expansion opportunities are, what, what's next for Markel from an insurance perspective. Uh, from an investing perspective, one of the things that I'd be interested to hear from uh, Tom Gaynor is prior to the financial crisis, Markel owned banks and financial stocks. And he was very confident in them. And obviously, that didn't work out too well. His, his results have been tremendous despite that. Um, but now today, they, they don't own banks. They don't have banks among their largest uh, ownership positions. And I'm curious what's changed for him and what he realized uh, during that process. As I mentioned at the top, Fool Germany. Yeah. 
is a thing, is a real thing now. And for anyone listening, and we, I think we, we, we got a couple of listeners in Germany, so check out fool.de, mm-hmm. which is the brand new site that we have launched. Uh, this is something you've been working on for a long time. Uh, and we were talking just before we started taping, like, oh, we, we, we finally get to <laughs> we finally <laughs> and, get to talk about it. And, and, and I and I will and I will emphasize, brand new, just launched. So we do from any for anybody that that visits the site, we do welcome and appreciate feedback. Um, so so that that is all welcome. Yeah, there's not a ton on the site right now. You can go check it out. Yep. Uh, there's a, there will be soon. We are going to get we're going to get cranked. We're very excited. What um, what has the process been like? to get this up and running, and what are you looking forward to for the second half of 2014? Well, um, for, for now, the process has been um, working with German regulators to make sure that we're, we're on the right page with all that sort of stuff. That's, that's new, new and adventurous uh, for, for me and for, for a lot of us on the team. Obviously, getting the site up and running from a technical perspective um, and then a lot of it, too, was, was dealing with the, the language issues of the site. Now, um, I speak some German. I, I would say that my German is generally um, workably passable or something <laughs> something along those lines. Um, but we've been working with, with native German speakers in order to um, get content translated, uh, get content edited, make sure that, that what's up on the site is, is correct. And to the extent that I'm writing anything, to overhaul it to make it not sound uh, like I wrote it. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and then we've also been... Um, Finding uh, and talking to and working with um, German-based fools, so so fools who have been reading Fool.com for so many years and have been so excited about Fool.com and so excited about the potential of um, the Fool bringing its approach, bringing its brand, bringing its love of helping everybody invest better to Germany. Um, so they've been working with us, and they're going to be writing for for the site. So as we as we get up and running here, and you said uh, the, the back half of 2014, that's going to be it. Is that we, we have excited, dedicated, foolish writers um, that are going to be up there delivering the same kind of great uh, investing content and analysis that uh, that we see on Fool.com all the time. Uh, it's fantastic. And as I showed you right before we started taping, I have in front of me. <laughs> Uh, a glass, a tumbler from uh, the Motley Fool's anniversary party. The date on the glass is August 5th, 2000. So 14 years ago. And on the glass, it says fool.com, fool.co.uk, and fool.de. Now, why would a 14-year-old glass tout fool Germany? Time travel. <laughs> I wish it was time travel. No, this was this was the dot-com explosion and we were right on the verge of launching Fool Germany in the middle of 2000 and had to step back when we realized that our own business was what's the word hemorrhaging money and had to retool so it has been a 14 year journey to get back to the point where we're launching Fool Germany so and and I will point long time old fools like me are really excited about this. Yes, and I, and I will point out that that over the time that the first fool.de did exist, uh, we we had a very good. From what I understand, I wasn't at the fool at the time. We had a very good response. We we had a, a lot of a lot of German fools that were coming to the site. Where were you in two thousand? You were in college, probably. I was in college. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but reading the fool, were you really? I was since ninety eight. Full reader since '98. Fantastic. When I bought AOL, how'd that work out for you? Oh, wonderfully. 
That's that's probably what steered you into banks, I, buying AOL at the height. I I learned I learned a lot from that experience. I will put it that way. I learned a lot from that experience. Uh, that, that is something, and we don't talk about it that much, but that is absolutely true, that you do learn, just as I suppose in life, you learn more from failure than you do from success. That has absolutely been the case with now, m- with me in investing, is the times where I've bought stocks and they haven't worked out well for one reason or another. Those are the lessons that help inform my investing journey forward. That that tends to be that tends to be what happens with me. Now, I, t- I talked with David Gardner at one point, and he was actually telling me he likes to try to learn more from his successes rather than his failures, which I which I think is a really. Um, I, I mean, no, da- knowing da- David, everything <laughs> everything that he does is is flipped on its head. But but you know that that like every like most everything else he says um, makes a lot of sense. David does. Let's be honest. David also doesn't have a lot of investing failures. Now he does have them. Yeah, he's yeah, he's true. the first person to point that out. But I find that he's um, very objective about them. He is able mm-hmm. to look back at and in some cases, and he'll tell you this: they are spectacular failures. But he's able to look back and say, "Oh, this is what happened. This was my thesis going in. This is why it didn't work out. This is what I've taken mm-hmm. away from it." Um, as I mentioned, fool.de is the website. So whether you're in Germany or anywhere else around the world, just check it out. Uh, and to Matt's point, if you've got some feedback on the site, if you're interested in sharing that, you can do that through the website. If you want to shoot us an email, radio at fool.com, we will pass it along to Matt and the Fool Germany team. Thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. Thanks really, for really excited about what's to come on fool.de. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.